Welcome back again. Um, <laughs> we have to ask uh, our uh, guys to edit this whole video as an audio. Probably they'll do that in a better way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the first time actually we're doing um, a, a Zoom or Meet, you know, like a, a live since you're in Hong Kong and I'm in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, we are both in kind of, you're in, yeah, I mean, I'm not in quarantine technically, but <laughs> you're in quarantine. <laughs> For now, I'm still kind of, kind of, kind of. So yeah, um, I think last time we talked about, I mean, uh, let's not talk about last time, I think we just want to refer. So uh, welcome to our, our podcast, we're going to unfilter. As you know, as a title, we don't filter anything. We will let people to to tell the story, what is their uh, what's actually inspired them to become who they are right now? And uh, what are the, the key of success in your life? I mean, we can start with you. Um, I have talked to a lot of people from um, America, so we can start with you. What, uh, um, how long have you been in Hong Kong and what are you actually doing in Hong Kong? We don't have to go to very details, but like small so I've been in Hong Kong for a little over four years, and I came here for work, and I work for for Starbucks, and I've been at Starbucks for for twenty one years. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, right? You you came here a couple of years ago, and, um, and then you worked for Starbucks, and twenty one year. So now we're going back to twenty one years. I will come back to Hong Kong. What what is experience? What is your what was your experience in Hong Kong and stuff? Uh, so, what is your experience as a working in Starbucks so far for I don't know for three four years in Hong Kong? What's, what do you find different? Gosh, well, I'd have to say there's a lot of similarities, more similarities than there are different. Because I, I do think one of the things that you know has kept me at Starbucks for so long is that I think they hire great people, like-minded people. Um, you know, that believe in the mission and values of the company. Um, you know, I think collectively it's about how you treat people um, and how you participate as a part of the community that you live and work in. And so that could be anything from, you know, um, focusing on sustainability uh, or uh, focusing on different, you know, local community efforts that are important to, to, to where you live. And I think that we, we do that pretty well everywhere. And it's always been something that's been important to me and something that I've done throughout, you know, my time with Starbucks uh, and that I love so much. And so I would say that that's similar everywhere. I think what is different and what I yes. love so much about Hong Kong is that you know, when I think about my team and the people I get to work with, um, you know, in the U.S., it's largely Americans with a, a few people peppered in from, you know, other places. Uh, but I think working in Hong Kong, I'm not exactly sure of the number, but in our office, I think we come from 60 different countries and there's like 200 people, which is pretty cool. And so yes, I've United Nations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is the United Nations. And I've gotten to know people, um, you know, from all over the world just by sitting here in Hong Kong, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, this thing, right? I was, we ask, some, I always ask sometimes when, uh, as a corporate company, they, the, the company value is pretty strong, especially companies like Starbucks, show they, they're doing a great job around the world and they have the same policy everywhere you go. So leaving that uh, work and um, uh, let's talk about your childhood. You know, you said you've been working for 20, 21 years. 
which is almost my age. <laughs> yeah, don't throw that in my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, um, how was your childhood in, in America as a, as a, I don't know, you know, we, I asked, I, I, the, um, I met a couple of guys from America and then uh, they have a, a childhood that I think pretty not, I mean, not as our childhood in, in especially in Hong Kong, but they have a different childhood, right? So what is, as um, what was your childhood? How do you get, how do you grow up? What was the thing you guys used to do when you're, when you're a kid? Yeah. So I think one, one big thing is, um, you know, I come from a very, very large family and I have many aunties and uncles and many, many cousins. And uh, I grew up in Minnesota, uh, or actually I was born in Minnesota and I kind of grew up a little bit of everywhere. But one of the things uh, that we do as a family is, you know, get together every single summer and, you know, every Christmas. And so it's it, twice a year that no matter where you're living, including, you know, me being here in Hong Kong, uh, despite COVID, we try and get home, you know, twice a year. And so growing up, we have a, a cabin on a lake um, and it's actually in northern Wisconsin. And so basically all of the kids would be there pretty much all summer and our aunties and uncles and our parents would come and go based on their work schedules. My grandparents were, were always there, but um, spent a lot of time with them. And so, you know, I kind of joke and say it was like going to camp, but with your family instead of like random strangers. <laughs> and so we learned how to water ski. We, you know, slept in tents outside in the yard. Um, you know, we like I don't even know if you can call it hiking, but <laughs> we would take walks into the woods and build forts and things and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Um, but, you know, very, very close to my family. And I think, you know, what's cool about that is I did that when I was a kid. And, you know, um, I have a son who's 23. Uh, his name's Charlie. And he actually got to do the same thing with his cousins at the same place. And so... Just a, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go there again, which was awesome. And so now there's this whole new generation of like six, seven, eight-year-old kids running around. Um, and it's just, it reminds me of my childhood and, and, you know, the things that I used to do. So it's pretty cool that we kind of keep that in the family and keep it going. You know, um, uh, this is something that fascinates me a lot. Like, I grew up in the same kind of childhood, right? We grew up in... Um, like small rivers i learned swimming how to actually how to swim in a literally a dangerous river that actually we used to swim and uh, we go to jungles we just run you know like run around here and there that's how we used to play but that's what you grow you think people was born in new york they also have same childhood oh for sure now for sure now i am a midwest no, right? and through and so i think um you know, every, the U.S. is so big, it, you know, depending on where you grow up, you know, you did different things, you know, you know, in regards to childhood memories. And so I'm not a city kid. I was not a city kid whatsoever. And so, yeah, so but, uh, the, my question is, my question, is, if you city kid, then usually that's not your childhood, right? Technically. Uh, Even back yeah, in the days. Or well, maybe they'd go to summer vacation and kind of stuff. Probably that time they do the similar thing. And then some kids don't at all, to be honest. And so it just depends on, you know, if you grow up in the city, you you know, kind of similar to like Hong Kong, like what I described might not be every kid's experience, but they may do other things. And so they may, I don't know, go kayaking with their family or hung, uh, hiking, you know, somewhere or camping or something like that here in Hong this, Kong. So you do yeah. that with your kids and that's their memories. You know, uh, I personally think we should definitely 
uh, encourage our uh, kids, uh, like my kids, and you know, uh, especially in, uh, new generation, to do outdoor sports. I really love that. I mean, we should. I mean, you done that. Uh, I, I'm kind of into it uh, slowly. Not a lot. I mean, I did that before. Not a, not a, not by choice. It was like because we would just have to do it. That was the only place. That was the place we were living. So right now, is you don't have to. But I like to go outside. You don't do like as you know, we do kayaking, cycling, yeah. we do hiking a lot, camping, which is I love it. I think this is something uh, in Hong Kong during this um, COVID, people actually start doing that. A lot of people like with the with the uh, uh, from teenage to you know like uh, mid twenty people like like yeah. you know, I've seen a lot of people doing camping before that i don't think a lot of people were doing it i'm sure you knew that right we did camping like before this thing started yeah <laughs> i love camping so I right now it's just like a, yeah i love well, camping so now, like, right now people are following the trend i think all the outdoor stuff is so cool but you know when i i think about my childhood you know again i'm 44 so i'm older and i uh didn't have a cell phone when I was a kid and I didn't, there was no iPads or anything like that. And so like, literally we just went outside and played, you know, until the streetlights went on until like somebody rang a bell and told literally a bell on the side of, of the house tells to come in for dinner. Like we were just outside all the time. And so I think it's great that kids are getting outside, but I also think we got to like put down the phones, you know, we got to, we got to put down the devices. I mean, you see it all the time when you're walking around in Hong Kong, I was just in New York last week and people just walk around like this, you know, with the phone in their face. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Some of the best things but that I think about my childhood is that I didn't have that. And so there was just like this freedom of yes. like, you don't know where you are. Nobody knows where you are. Nobody can contact you. And you're just like out and about doing your thing until you know the sun goes down yeah doing our things and you know like uh, not knowing probably we're not going to come back home <laughs> yeah well <I laughs> should mean, happen right <laughs> nothing happened you know and so but you know i think very lucky for for many of us but it's so crazy to think that there was no way to contact us and today it's like yeah if i can't if I couldn't get a hold of my son and he was outside, I mean, now he's older, but when he was younger, that would kind of freak me out. I'd be like, where'd he go? Is he okay? Did he kidnapped? Like, you know I mean, I, that would stress me out. Um, <laughs> but I don't actually think my parents ever thought about it. They were just like, see you guys have a good day. And they go to work and, you know, we get lost sometimes in the woods. I remember taking the boat out a few yeah. times, like taking it to other lakes. Like we should had no business like leaving our own lake and taking a boat to another lake, and we're like twelve, ten, yeah. <laughs> younger, and then just going around, right? Walking. Yeah. So that was the so that was the childhood. That's the thing. You grew up in a childhood that actually you see in the world actually in different way. And right now you live in Hong Kong, New York, and all all over the countries, different cities. Don't you think it's very different right now? Even I see it very different. I didn't grow up as a also uh, watching phones, and I was talking to you earlier about the social media. We didn't have that. We had the very old school um, social media back in the days. The yeah. the first phone that I had was a Motorola. Yeah, like the big black one or the flip one. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the, the that was pretty fancy actually. We the um, there was a little Nike, the small one that you can yeah. play the snake. Three seven hundred, I think that's the model number. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the, the, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself on this podcast, but I had a pager. Do you know what that is? <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a pager. A lot of people don't know what is pager. Like if I ask, seriously, if I ask my our team, 
we talk about Peja, they don't know. But you know what? Don't yeah. you think Peja was so stupid shit ever? Like I personally, that's so stupid thing. Oh my god! Imagine, okay, so you. you know, I tell you why. You and you'd go I, wait for a payphone to call them back. And okay, <laughs> that's why someone will message you, and you still have to go and call them. What's the point of having that shit then? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and then they and then somebody would page us, and we weren't doing anything because we had nothing to do. We were like waiting, and so someone would page you, and you'd like call them back from a payphone. They'd say, "What are you doing?" And be like, "I'm hanging out by the payphone." <laughs> like we were, no plans or anything. I don't know why we had them. I don't know either. But it was like the first like you know before the cell phone there was the pagers. So I think all my friends like when I was in high school we all had pagers. I, I- I never had the pager, but I've seen it. I've seen people carry on the, the on their side pocket, you know, like on side, like a oh, the, so the cool, plastic right? or yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but I never seen people. I I heard how they use it, but actually, I didn't. I never get to use that um, myself. Yeah, we. Well, so, but I've seen it. I've seen the videos and stuff. You didn't miss much. Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, and you know that back in the days they had a, the 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 big. DVD, VCR, VCR. Yeah, I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, I watched the Titanic movie in the VCR actually. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that was. Yeah, I think. What was it? The VCR. Gosh, I want to say all through the eighties and. I can't remember if it was like the early 90s or late 80s when they switched to CD. Was it like LaserDisc or something? They were bigger. I can't remember, actually. I'm not the right person to ask. I, I forget. But then we went to DVDs eventually. But yeah, it was like VHS for a long time. <laughs> VHS for a long time, right? Yeah. And I want to ask you this. So why... Um, is this this is saying you know that the the jeans like denim and stuff is actually in America people is like usually farmer or those people wear that is that true denim denim overalls well I mean I don't know the cowboy of, kind of stuff okay so yeah I guess cowboys might wear jeans but like everybody wears jeans like you have well it's hot as hell here so not a lot of jeans are <laughs> this time of year but like no I, i'm sure let, let me let me actually quickly google this thing i'm sure uh, i think you're talking about jeans. yeah i think you're talking about overall yeah i think they invented jeans because uh you know like in the in 1870, San Francisco businessman, businessman Levi Strauss. Levi Strauss. But Levi, Levi Strauss Levi and Reno Nevada Taylor Jacob Davis are given a patent to create work pants. See, it's a work pants reinforced with a metal rivets, uh, marketing the birth of one of the world's most famous garment blue jeans. <laughs> You know what they are, right? You know the Levi's. We have Levi's stores here in Hong Kong. You know what it is. I know, I know, I know. What, what I mean is that they, yeah, the, so these guys invented this pen to work through construction work and stuff, and now it become fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like that, I mean, that's just a, a style thing. And so, yeah, it probably started to work as work pants, but it's been like, I mean, 
stuff. When did you say that was 1800 something? That's forever ago. Yeah, 18. It became like a style and people started wearing jeans. And then I even think today, like some of the workwear, like, um, you know, the brand Dickies. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's workwear and people wear that out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or like Carhartt, (laughs) Carhartt, you know, that's. That's supposed to be for work. I tell you, I, I tell you what people wear now. You know those um, those um, um, repairing work. You know that whole vest is just like um, you go inside and you strap. And people usually will work in a like mechanic and they wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that what I'm talking about? That's with yeah. the multi pockets and they have a stripe. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. also fashion. <laughs> I know. It's like, I think what happened was is people were working so much that they just started wearing it out and then it became a thing. <laughs> That's how our work-life balance is way off. <laughs> work-life balance is like, yeah, fuck, we're just working every day, so let's work, right. let's so have fun keep, with keep the same clothes. Days. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, today I think uh, I'm going to move and talk about more fun stuff rather than the, and then fun stuff means, um, so which, which are the, um, the cities that you've been living largely in, in, in the state, which one is your favorite, if you have to pick one, and why? And we talk about something that's interesting in there. Okay, well, I can't do that. I'm going to take a little bit of a spin on that because I don't know if I have a favorite because I lived in lots of places in the U.S., but I was at different like ages of my life. And so they all mean something different to me. Right. And so I told you I I, I was born in Minnesota um, and then um, I spent some time in Chicago when I was younger. And I don't really remember it too much because I was like five, six. And then we moved to Connecticut um, on the East Coast. Um, And I do have some like really good memories from there because we lived in like a colonial town called Oxford. And so there was all of these these cool things like there was um, actually passages under some of my friends houses that led from house to house. And they were actually slave passages, um, you know, for for um, back in the Civil War. Um, to help people that were in the South actually, you know, get farther north. And so we used to play in them and like had no idea of the, you know, historical significance that we were just like playing around. In them. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. And, yeah. you know, we would find um, from like the Native American Indians, we'd find arrowheads all the time. Um, you know, we, we just pick them out. No like, way. Outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so cool. And so there's that was that was pretty cool. And then I think also living on the East Coast, you get to live like American history because that's kind of where, you know, it all began. And so, um, you know, I, I really enjoy history. And I think I get that because I got to go to so many historical sites. And so I've been to, you know, the battlefield of Gettysburg. I've been to Monticello, which was like the first house, uh, White House before there was a White House. And so, you know, oh, really? what was it up there? <laughs> Monticello. Oh, really? Monticello, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so Mon- before Monticello? there was a White House, yeah, um, you know, George Washington lived there. Um, so I got to go there. I got to go. What, how do you call? How do you call that? How do you spell oh. that place? Oh, God. M-O-N-T-I-C-E-L-L-O. T-I-C-E-L-O. Oh, yes. In Florida. No. Is that? <laughs> Monticello. Monticello is in no, dude, George Washington Monticello. Okay, okay, Monticello, George Washington. Okay. 
Thomas Jefferson Thomas Jefferson Monticello. Thomas Jefferson? He's, no, he's, it is in it is not Florida. I named the wrong president. <laughs> Here I am saying I'm a history buff and I got it wrong. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Um, but then it was a Ford's Theater where Lincoln was shot and um, like all the great museums, like all the Smithsonian's um, in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, isn't actually, uh, let me see. Uh, what is this place actually? Which one did I get? Jefferson right? Home was built to serve as a plantation house, which ultimately took an uh, architectural uh, form of a villa. It may architect uh, yeah, I think it is. It is one, right? Is the one? Is it Virginia? In Virginia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Monticello. Yeah. That was a <laughs> um, uh, old White House. Yeah, and I don't even think they let you in the White House anymore these days, or they stopped or something. But when I was a kid, we, I, you got to go inside it, and so I went on like a tour. To no, they still do. The they still do. I think. They stopped for a very long time, like after nine eleven. Um, I don't know if they brought it back or I think it's much harder to do. I think we just like walked up and got in line and went inside. And now I think you have to like reserve a spot and like do all these security yeah. clearances and da, 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 da. So I think it's a little different now. Statue of Liberty. I don't know. Um, Plymouth Rock. All all of that stuff. Uh, so is, so what's the favorite city then? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get there. So then I lived in Kentucky, um, and when I lived in Kentucky, I, I got to do, I was an adult. I really so want to go to Kentucky, man. I want to yeah, see Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bourbon Trail, which is really, really cool. It's beautiful. Um, and then I lived in Michigan for a while, um, and then Charlie was young then, and Michigan is, is like, I lived in a, a small town where we rode our bikes um, all the time, and, and, you know, we had a A&W root beer stand, which basically is like an an old school um, like drive-in where you can order from your car. But we used to ride our bikes up there and get root beer floats. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then I would say the longest place I ever lived in the U.S. was Seattle. And so I lived in Seattle for 10 years, again, as, a, as an adult, uh, you know, with my son and, and working for Starbucks. And I, I think I might say I like Seattle the most. And it was because... I was finally old enough as an adult to say, cool, this is where where I want to live. And so I've got memories from like all over the U.S. Um, but well, I think Seattle is kind of more memories. And yeah. 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 As an adult. How is the weather in Seattle? Um, I would say it's like average of probably 60 degrees. So that's what, like 14, 14 or 15, um, like year round. And so. What's crazy is they don't really have air con in most places because you don't need it. You just open up the windows. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. only and even, you know, when I lived there and I think, you know, everybody complains that lives there that it's that it's getting hotter. But it's still like maybe five days for the whole year that you if you don't have air con, you wish you had it. No, probably it's a global. I mean, like recently yeah. this year, you know, you can you can never add a. Uh, people don't have an AC right now because of the the, the, yeah. the temperatures yeah. so, going higher. So yeah. people getting, probably decide to have AC just to back up plan. Yeah, but yeah, 
you don't really need it. I mean, for a couple of days, but most of the time you don't turn it on, which is which is pretty cool. So it's temperate. It does rain a lot, um, but I would just say like everywhere you live has that season that sucks. And so like you think about Hong Kong, like I think, you know, when you think about typhoon season and how hot and miserable yeah. it can be, you know what I mean? Like that's the shitty time of year here. And then in Seattle, it's so far north um, that it gets dark, it gets dark so early. So some days when I would go to work, I would leave for the office like 7 a.m. and it would be dark out, like pitch black. And then yeah. I'd be inside all day at the office. And then when I would leave work, it would already be dark out. And so like Monday through Friday when I was at the office, sometimes I wouldn't see daylight all week long. Um, and so like the dark period and the rainy period in Seattle is like November, December, January. But that's where everybody just goes yeah. on vacation. You got to get out. <laughs> if you stay there oh, really? for three months, you go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so it, it gets really um, darker early, like 4 p.m. probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like daylight from seven to four. It's very short, like eight hours. That's it. So which, which city in, in, in the state that doesn't get darker even 9 p.m.? Like when I was in Spain, I see until 9 p.m. still bright outside. I think it's pretty, the days are pretty long in the south um, during the summertime. Uh, just because it's like the U.S. is so big. It's just, you know, you're closer to the equator in the south and in the north, you're far away from yeah. it so, yeah so it's they have all types of weather and all types of um, season everywhere if you go if you yeah I've, I've asked someone who told me i think andrew uh i think you met andrew as well yeah. so he told me that yeah i don't know yeah some of them that from east to west or like if you had to cross like it was from the flight it was 10 hour eight hour like oh yeah Oh, sure. if you're flying from Seattle, Washington to Miami, Florida, that's like a probably eight or nine hour flight. What the <laughs> really? Uh-huh. It's yeah. like going to a different continent, you know? Yeah. Well, and technically, if you were to fly from Miami, Florida to like Anchorage, Alaska, that's probably it's a different continent. I guess it's probably that's like close to the same as flying from Seattle to Hong Kong. Because Seattle to Hong Kong is 12 <laughs> hours. And so my guess is, my you can Google that. Look up Miami um, flight time, Miami to Anchorage. Miami to A-N-N-T. A-N-K. Anchorage. <laughs> or do Juno, because I know how to spell that. J-U-N-E-A-U. Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. Yeah. Uh, it's 10 hour 47 minutes. Yeah, that's what, what I'm saying. Far. <laughs> it's, it's so So do you think people can drive through all these things? Do they do that? Like that's the longest, longest road trip? Uh, well, you can't, you can't drive to Alaska, but people have driven like Miami to, you know, Seattle. I mean, so my family, um, again, is in Minnesota. And so I've driven from Minnesota to Seattle and back, and that's 23 hours in the car. So you got to stop. You stop that's along the way. Yeah, it's road. It's a road trip. Yeah, and American road trips but are kind of cool, actually. <laughs> I enjoy them. Yeah, because it's, it's a straight. That's why. That's why, like, that's why there's a... No, Mercedes, I mean, um, stuff, but not really. 
Yeah. Yeah, because look at like, those big bikes with the big handles, right? If imagine if you're going, if you turning in here and there, it's yeah. almost impossible. Those thirteen wheel trucks, right, would have like long truck. Imagine if they have to turn right and left, it's very tough. So the oh, yeah. highways over there is like straight most of the time, like hours of straight. Yes, hours and hours. And it, like if you don't have, you need like good snacks, good music, roll down the windows and somebody to drive with you, <laughs> um, if, especially if you're doing a long one, just because you need somebody to talk to or you'll fall asleep. There's been several times when I've been driving that I have to pull over for like a quick nap. Um just because I've been driving for so long, you get tired. You got to like stop at a gas station and walk around and get, get something to eat or do something and then get back in the car. Um, but sometimes I have pulled over just to like take a 20 minute nap. <laughs> yeah, this is why uh, Mr. Elon Musk come out with the autopilot. <laughs> oh, God, that would scare the shit out of me. I'd still pull over and take a 20 minute nap. There is no way <laughs> I'm going to sleep on the Did they do that now? Or are they are they trying this or are they still working autopilot in America? I think they stopped it, right? I have no because idea. I, feel like I'm not, I don't know. This summer I didn't didn't ask anyone about Teslas. I'm not a big Tesla fan. I think they're ugly. Why? I don't know. I think they're ugly. I would never want one. And even that like SUV one, I think, have you ever, you know, because there's they're common Ubers here, right? And so when you get in one, yeah. I'm always like, this car is kind of shit. I'm not a big fan. It was. It can be just, actually, there is autopilot. There is in the US. Yeah. Every new Tesla, are they allowed? Not sure are they test Tesla. They have autopilot, but uh, yeah, you can just sleep, man. Literally, you can just sleep. Yeah, I would not. But yeah, there are some accidents. There are some accidents for sure. Would you sleep? Man, that's like you're sleeping and wake up in heaven, man. <laughs> I'm not saying. There's no way I would do that. You're like, okay, let me go for a nap and you wake up. Like, what the fuck? Where am I? Nope, not doing it. Right? It's pretty scary, but I think it's going to happen in the future for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you think about the future, I think it's we're not too far off from having, like, all electric cars and all gas off the road. You know? I mean, diesel's coming first. And so I know, you know, Hong Kong has a mandate. Like, I think a lot of countries have mandates of, like, when all diesel vehicles have to be off the road. And so after that, they're going to just go to, you know, um, petrol and remove those cars from the road. And then, you know, we're, I would say in the next 20 years, it'll just be all electric. But I want to ask you, since you're more kind, more expert on this, so how much um, fossil fuel we use to create or um make electric electricity you an expert on that i have no idea <laughs> oh really no yeah do you know damn i thought you knew that okay let's check the no. topic <laughs> <laughs> oh no no <laughs> no because someone told me that i actually I, i'm gonna look into like they're not going to do anyway. So actually, when they so there's a few ways to create um to make um um you know like uh, electricity. There's water in in Nepal. We do uh, with the water, but I heard there's also fossil fuel. But let me see. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there is a convert. Yeah, it's a thing. I just don't know how much is needed. <laughs> I I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they burn. Uh, so fossil fuel power plants burn coal or oil to create heat, which in turn used to generate system turf turbines, which generate electricity. Well, yeah. See, so it's 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 because I was reading somewhere. I was like this. Tesla is, I mean, electricity is being, I mean, we, who, who we are to talk about, but just like out of curiosity, it's like, even though it's electricity is not 100% uh, sustainable, I don't know, but we haven't done our research. So both of us will have known about it. So we'll do that again and we'll talk and talk about it one day again. Yeah, I know. With, I would uh, listen to a podcast where you talk to someone that knows about it because I'm also interested in electric car batteries. Like what, what do you do with them? Are they recyclable? Like, you know what happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what kind of damage are they doing to the environment? Find someone that knows that stuff and do a podcast with them. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> I'd be I'd listen to that. <laughs> but you you listen to that, right? I'll find someone who actually know about more battery and stuff. So um after having a great childhood and, and you decide to pursue your career in uh, I would say F and B, you know, like Starbucks is also F and B. What do you think? Am I allowed to say that? Like F and B, food and beverage, we do yeah. almost similar. Like I, I, I do the uh, uh, same same thing to to uh, feed my family. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but what I want, I don't want to talk about company. What I want to ask, uh, how and what give you. Um, you know, this uh, a reason to stay in and what do you like about FNB to stay that many years? Yes, that's a good question. I, I'm a people person. I like to talk to different people. Um, I like to meet, meet different people. I mean, if I was in an elevator with strangers, I would start talking to them. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like natural for me to, to want to connect with people. And I think when you work in F&B, you get the opportunity to do that all the time. And so I think, you know, a strictly an office job, because I do technically have an office-based job today, but I get to be in stores all the time. So it's it's not just dedicated to, to sitting in an office on a computer. Um, I don't think I could actually do that. I don't think I would be be happy. Um, because to me, it's the the people connection um, and getting getting to you know work with and and develop employees um, and sit sit in cafes and talk to customers about what they like, what they don't like, what's going on in their lives. I mean, over the years, I've been invited to like customers' weddings. I've actually had people do have weddings in in our stores or, or proposals. Yeah. Uh, funerals, um, births of babies, like all, all, all of those things. I think I've gotten the opportunity to participate with, and it just, to me, yeah. I think that's where I, I find joy in it all is humanity. I guess I just, I like people. <laughs> yeah. So that makes you that that makes you more involved in F and B, and that makes you drive to um, where you are right now. Actually, after. Uh, multiple years uh, so uh, how was the how was the situation back in the days i know nowadays we talk about about uh you know women equality and, and, and all this stuff so since i always talked <laughs> to you that you're always about woman empowerment and you know <laughs> so, yeah. so um, uh, what was the what was the time uh back in the days 
is it similar like right now like so let's I, say if, if I, I, I mean I'll I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put it in perspective so like imagine if there is a two guy joining as a uh, barista what are the chances to as one is lady one is a guy what are the chances to become guy to become the senior barista than the lady is that any that kind of you know yeah yeah uh, so oh. I think it goes back uh, one more step, I would say, is that um, my my mom um, worked and, and had a career. Um, she has her um, doctorate in education. She's done lots and lots of really cool stuff, um, worked for National Geographic. And so I had this like female example of somebody um you know, that had her own career and was driven and was empowered to, yeah. to do those things. And so I had that example at home. And then my dad, um, you know, when I first started working at Starbucks, I would kind of bring home like our P&L and I would sit down with my dad, who's, you know, a business guy and be like, tell me all about it. You know, and I had visits or like, um, you know, higher up people coming in into my store. I would get like a little nervous and my dad would say things to me like, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing you are. They got up this morning, they took a shower, they, they got dressed and they came to work. They put, you know, same way you did. So don't think of yourself yeah. as different from them. And so I kind of had parents that, you know, set a good example. And I never thought differently that I was a girl and that I should think about things differently or opportunities should come differently. So part of it is like, you know, bullheaded you know, oblivious to that's not how everyone thinks. It was just how I grew up and, and what my, my parents and my larger family taught me. So then when I get hired at Starbucks, I want to say that, you know, this is a company that has many, many women leaders and many examples of women leaders. And so when, when I started yeah. storming. I've seen most, most of you, most of team members are leaders, like senior level. Yeah, so we, so I've always had examples of female leaders at Starbucks, and so I think it's kind of a combination of, you know, the family I grew up in, and then, you know, working at Starbucks, there was just so many women to look up to that I never had this feeling that it wasn't possible. Now, I know that that is an exception and not the rule, and many, many of my friends have talked about, like, how men have gotten jobs over them and, and how difficult that might be. Yeah. So I think it's a yeah. little bit of an anomaly um, when we talk about that. But, um, yeah, Starbucks does have many, many great women leaders. And to your question about, you know, even back in the day, if there was, you know, two baristas, one male, one female, who would get the promotion? I would honestly say um, not to say that every company has issues. <laughs> every, you know, at, you know, and that's. You're never going to be 100 percent, but I can honestly say that they both have a fair shot and it wouldn't be, you know, a man versus woman issue. And so even today, um, you know, we continue to, to focus on on that, um, not just just women, but diversity overall of what our teams look like. Um, all of the senior leaders on Starbucks are, are, are actually bonus eligible and bonus upon yeah, yeah, yeah. teams. And so, I mean, uh, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It's, I'm not saying definitely, you know, the company value and company philosophy is always, um, equal. There's, there's nothing wrong. I'm sure it's hundred percent all the company has, but the thing is like the middle person, you know, like, let's say the shop manager are oh, the one who's doing the, the, the general manager. So that was. Yeah, that's where I started. So I, when when I started at Starbucks, I started in the stores, um, you know, and as a, as a shop manager. And so I 
I they hired me as a female. Um, you know, I've worked for my boss as a district manager was a female. I've worked for both males and females. And so I think it was already pretty, um, you know, diverse and we had representation. And so it's still something I know. I, so an example that, you know, it's, it's always a work in progress. And so I feel like I had those examples. However, Starbucks has continued to grow and get better and better, um, you know, for example, with pay equity. And so, you know, pay equity was really important to make sure that, you know, all all of our employees, male and female, um, are, you know, equitable. And that took us a long time to, yeah. to get there. And so, and part of that is, is, you know, when people come in, you know, from different companies and their salary might be X and then, you know, you, you start working at Starbucks, maybe you start lower, which shouldn't have been the case. But I think people were thinking not about, oh, there's a man over here that's getting paid more. They're thinking, you know, when you join the company, this was your previous salary and we're going to bump you up and it's now this. So then if you look across the board people were all like mismatched. And so I know the company yeah. took a long, hard look at that and it took several years to actually correct that, but we now have pay equity, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I, every time you talk about uh, the company, you're always so excited, you know, that's so passionate. It's like, like, I want people like you in my company. That's my dream. <laughs> but we need to have, a, we, have to, we have to bring our value first, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> But it is, but you, but you're asking a really good question because I, I, you know, I still don't think we're there, you know, um, and we have a long way to go uh, to to make sure that we have equality between men and women, and and part of it is just how we grew up and how we think about opportunities, you know. Um, it, it's still, you know, fact and very common that a man would ask for a promotion and ask for a pay raise where most women wouldn't go advocate for themselves and ask those same questions. And so I think just, you know, for for women and men and, and leaders of people, we need to make sure that we're looking at that and like coaching, you know, um, people that we work with to ask for those things. And so I think as a leader of people, um, you know, you're developing future talent, you know, for your organization, for, you know, the world. And I think that's one of the things that we got to take a look at and talk about is how do we make sure that women are advocating for themselves and are asking for the promotion are asking for more money um, because men do it all the time and women should do it just. Yeah. Time. I mean, uh, we tell now everyone to, I mean, people, you also have a question sometimes in Turkey, you know, we have all the guy, boys, but we try to look for the, the lady stuff, but it's hard to find. But yeah, um, we tell everyone to, uh, voice out for you for you yeah, well, you, you know like whatever you want to ask yeah speeches that tell camellia so you know <laughs> <laughs> multiple times multiple times it's like <laughs> so um it is um it is a kind of a the situation that we we i mean we face everywhere but i just wanted to find out what was the situation back in the days and now, um, you know, you are coming from very um, a huge culture, a kind of a culture. I don't, I don't know, uh, but is a, a big family. And right now, you you are in a position that actually you are uh, you are 
you you can help people in a way like like talking to me to some of the people watching us uh, in Nepal or some other countries. I mean, Hong Kong is is fine. People are very well educated. So especially ladies, I always ask you. So what are the what are the messages you want to pass to them? And if in the future, uh, if you want to, if someone wants to get help, you know, if someone wants to get some sort of, uh, do you think they can reach out to you? Of course, of course. And I think, you know, just as, you know, women leaders, we have to be, well, it doesn't even matter what type of, of role you have. Women need to support other women. Like, we can't be catty. We have to cheer for each other, cheer on each other's successes. Um, I think there's just been this longstanding rivalry and cattiness among women where, you know, when someone is very successful, and I'm not saying this is everyone, but like largely if someone is very successful, um, you know, women, you know, get pegged as bossy or bitchy. Um, and they're actually not, <laughs> you'd never say that about a dude. Like if a guy had the same job, he wouldn't be, you wouldn't call him bitchy or bossy. You yeah. would be like, no, he's just the dude in charge. He's the guy in charge. And so I think, you know, we've got to change that mentality. And so women have to support women. And so no more of this nonsense of when you hear someone's success, um, you downplay it. Uh, you can't be jealous. We got to support each other. And so I think that's one is, you know, we all have to support each other. And then second is find somebody that you like uh, and doesn't matter what their job is, that, but that they're successful and they look happy and they're female and then go talk to them about it and say, I really yeah. like how you show up in your work or in your life. And I'd love to know, like, how did you find that happiness? How did you find that um, self-assured confidence? Because um, I want some of that. And so I think you got to find a mentor and then you got to be a, and then you got to be a mentor, you know, to others. And so you got to look at um, people that are younger than you or earlier in, in their career than you and um, make yeah. sure that you're lifting them up and helping them out. And so how we yeah. fix it, how how we find equality is by helping each other. And so it starts with women helping women. Yeah, this is pretty cool. See, that was the answer I was looking for. Starts with women and helping women. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this thing, have you, have you, did, they, did anyone invite you on this kind of like a inspiration talk in somewhere? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I've actually had, yeah, quite a few. Um, and so, for example, here in Asia Pacific, it was, gosh, COVID has me confused, but I want to say it was like last year. Um, uh, Starbucks India um, had a large event to support, um, you know, uh, women. And they did yeah. um, that for National Women's Day and they spent a month focusing on it. And so they had different guest speakers come in, um, you know, and we created a, like a mentorship program um, that I got to participate in. And so um, that's just one example. But um, I do get asked quite quite frequently to go and, and speak and and just talk about how we can support each other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that that's the thing. I mean, if in, in this situation, and then um, you have uh, you know uh, the power to to um, increase and also inspire people. So I always uh, think it's a good idea. Although I mean, I'm not in that situation yet. So we we still have to long way to go. Um, so what is your plan now? 
Hold on, I want to add one more thing that I just forgot that I think yes, is really, yes. really important. Yeah, yeah. As a leader, okay. I also think that you have to look at the men that work on your team and ask them how they're supporting women. And so when you have a, a man that is a manager of people um, and he's got women on his team, it's very important that I like, you know, pay attention to that, to you pay attention to that and say, what does that look like? How are they advocating for the women on their team and uh, making sure that they are setting and creating the right environment for equality? And so I, I said it starts with women supporting women, but it actually starts with men supporting women as well. And so we need both of that. And so I think equally I need to, to spend time making sure I look at that as well. No, no doubt on that for sure. Actually, it's very true. We also need to monitor how the situation and work and i mean yeah in hong kong there's not not a lot of problem but my question was more more in the you know other countries where let's say uh, nepal and when you say india and uh, other places where actually uh, women are more dominated than the men uh, uh, due to due to multiple reasons right it could be cultural it could be it could be been there for hundreds of years i mean just so now I think we're close to our uh, recording number one. So that's uh, um, so well. I mean, if you don't want to mention where you're going next, I I don't want to ask. But or you can. Yeah, I can tell you. <laughs> so actually, I'm leaving Hong Kong um, at the end of the month. Um, and yeah. I'm moving to Japan, which I'm super, super excited about, uh, you know, still with Starbucks, uh, taking on a similar role to what I have here in Asia Pacific, um, but um, a little bit different for me. So uh, our market yeah. here in Asia Pacific is um, franchised and it's a licensee environment. And in Japan, it's company operated. And so um, meaning um all of the employees work directly for Starbucks. And so it's going to be a little bit of Starbucks, a different yeah. job for me, but I'm very, very excited um, for a new adventure. I loved living in Hong Kong. I loved exploring Southeast Asia. And I'm excited to like bring all my camping gear and, and the dogs. And I'm going to explore the shit out of Japan. I'm super excited. <laughs> no, no, because you know, you you when you when you called me from New York and you were telling all oh, the people are so nice here, the people are so nice. But I was like I was thinking myself like why people are nicer. It's just like because you are nice to them, so they're just reflecting yourself to you. Actually if you're nice to people, I'm sure people are nice to you everywhere you go. Uh, so that's why you always said, oh the people are so nice because you're nice to them. And if you're nice to them, of course, everyone's nice to you. So it's, if anywhere you go, you find a friend, you find a people to do nice to you because you're giving the same thing. In our culture, we say you do first uh, namaste, that means, and then they're going to give you back the namaste. So it's like, you know, it's uh, both way <laughs> giving. the the So they think, oh, Tina is so nice. And you think, oh, the, the ABCD bartender is so nice. So it's just like, there are some... I would say not, I wouldn't say not nice people. It's just like sometimes it just, you know, like sometimes it didn't work well with the with the people. It's not like because of the, it's just environment and behavior, but they're always, people are nice. And I'm sure people are nice. It's like, I feel like, you know, it, it, I don't get it perfect all the time, um, but you try and treat people how you want to be treated, you know? And, and yeah. I, I think you do that. And then I yeah. think exactly what you said happens. People, people respond yeah. um, in the way that, you want them to, you know, you hope they do. But sometimes people so, are just uh, assholes, right? So there's also that. 
know? Um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we need to make a list for that, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. That's, that's, I mean, thank you for, you know, like uh, giving your time during the quarantine in Hong Kong. And I'm literally travel six, seven cities and now stuck in, in KL due to some some issues that I <laughs> some reason. But yeah, thank you very much. And I'll see you soon when I'm back to Hong Kong. 